The scripture today comes from Jonah, chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and of his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they had turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So, what is your most challenging Bible verse you can think of? Do you love your enemies? And this is my most challenging verse in the Bible. And what about you? Can you love your enemy? Even Jesus wants us to love our enemies specifically, not obscurely. Right? He said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Well, many times I ask God, really? Really? You mean it? How can you expect us to love someone hates me, even curses me, you know? And even you expect me to pray for those who mistreat me. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We come across the moment with those people. Sometimes mistreat us. Sometimes they hate us. For some reason, for a relationship issue, I don't know. But we're facing these people in our daily base, in our life. But what on earth Jesus expects us to love those who hate us and curse us and mistreat us?
Jonah was the same. He was changed in the belly of fish for three days, right? But people of Nineveh, the Assyrians, were enemy. Didn't change. Jonah was changed, but people of Nineveh didn't change. Right? When we try to love, that we try to make difference in our relationships with those people. But a lot of times we are disappointed because we try to change, but they don't change. Don't they? And what if Jonah might think that what if they repent and God redeemed them, relent his wrath on them, but then Nineveh, the people of Nineveh will keep bothering Israel. But God seems almost obsessed with the people of Nineveh. And God said Jonah second time, Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So the question is this, right? I think it's a nature, it's a human nature. Now, why Nineveh? They are a great city. They are a powerful nation, rich people. The great means to be a great nation, we know in our history. To be a great nation, they have to invade other nations over and over and plunder them, oppress them, take theirs as ours. Right? To be a great city. Why did God want the people of Nineveh to repent? In fact, the fear of Jonah became reality. It did. In 721 BC, Assyrian army, the people of Nineveh, invaded Northern Kingdom, Israel. It was not long after Jonah preached to Nineveh and they repent, repented. And God redeemed them. How come? See, how come after they listened to Jonah and repented with the, and fasting and God relented his wrath upon them, but they invaded Israel a couple of decades later and they destroyed the Israel and took people of Israel as slaves. So who was right? Jonah or God? I think Jonah was right. God should have destroyed the Nineveh before instead of redeeming them. But we know God is right all the time. Right? There must be wrong with the Jonah's mission. Something went wrong with the Jonah's mission. So let's find out today what went wrong with Jonah's mission. First of all, Jonah didn't want the people of Nineveh 
to repent at all. You can tell. He spent days preaching against the people of Nineveh. But his message was this. 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. That's it. That's it. Maybe people like that. It's a really short sermon. So maybe the people, maybe they, I don't know, maybe they, that's why they repented and they listened. I don't know. Too short, isn't it? To change people, to transform entire nation with just two facts, 40 more days. Otherwise, Nineveh will be overthrown. Clearly insincere. It was more of a threat and warning than the message of love and grace. What would change people? What would change people to turn away from their way and the way of God? What made you change your way and turn to God? Trust God. When our nation, the whole world, the Christian churches become minority. More and more people, they are being arrogant. They don't really believe in God anymore. Right? What made you keep your faith? Was your fear being condemned and go to hell after you die? Or to go to heaven? That's not. Because we don't even know what is heaven and hell is like. No one knows, right? Yeah, heaven will be wonderful. Yeah, the heaven, you know, the hell will be terrible, right? That's about it. But does really that threat and warning about the eternal condemnation or eternal joy and eternal life really change people? I don't think so. If then, many people should be in here. But we know it's love. We are changed because God's amazing love and grace through Jesus Christ. It was discovery of our identity, the true identity, the image of God being restored in us. By the love, by the love of Jesus Christ on the cross. So now we have ability to respond to love of Jesus Christ. And it, it is the faith by the love of Christ and we are filled in us. And Jesus gave us the assurance of salvation by the love. Love changes us, not by fear or threat, 
We know we can't change people with the penalty. We know that. But Jonah didn't preach the love, the grace of God to the people of Nineveh. But maybe you heard hesed love. It's a Hebrew word for steadfast love. They call hesed love. It's similar to agape love in the New Testament. So people of Israel, they always, they brag about it. They, they're really proud of God's hesed love for them exclusively because they are chosen. But God never loved Israel exclusively with Hesed love. God loved entire human race. That's why God sent Joseph to Egypt. That's why God sent Daniel to Babylon and Persia. That's why God sent Paul to Rome. To destroy them? No, save them. But they didn't listen. But Jonah, being selfish, he doesn't want to share this hesed love, steadfast love of God to the people of Nineveh. Even he and Israelites experience hesed love over and over. This is the core message of the book of Jonah. It's not about salvation of the people of Nineveh. It is the salvation, repentance, change of people of Israel. They must lay down their attitude of privilege and self-righteousness. Otherwise, they could not, they can't, Transform, change people around them. When Jonah's time, 8th century BC, Israel, northern Israel was stronger than Nineveh, actually. They were keep having this conflict between, but Israel was stronger at that time. What if Jonah transformed the people of Nineveh, 8th century? They might. The people of Nineveh may not invade Israel. We know we cannot boast our salvation because it is purely God's love, has that love and agape love, and which is available for everyone, everyone. That's why we are here. Because God created all and Jesus died for all. But Jonah didn't want them to repent. But somehow, the people of Nineveh believed what Jonah said. That short message says the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed 
and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. It's interesting. The entire nation, all of a sudden, repent, like Israelites. How come? How come the whole nation repented? Some scholars try to explain this by saying, "Oh, they had a pandemic that time, so they were desperate for salvation from the pandemic. So it was not transformation of inside and out. It was not." Spiritual penitence of inner person at all. It was not transformation. They maybe wanted to just keep their status quo, their power and their wealth by repent. But this time, for this pandemic, whatever the trouble they faced, that is why maybe as soon after they were saved, they invaded Israel. They didn't turn away from the evil way. It is interesting. Even the king of Nineveh said, "Who knows? God may yet relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger, so that we will not perish." I mean, this Gentile king—he sounds like a king of Israel, isn't it? Very pious, religiously, he's saying, "God may yet relent with compassion." I mean, this brutal king of Nineveh, Assyrian king, saying that compassion. These people, Nineveh, always bring suffering to other nations and brought their wealth. And they think about compassion, suffer together, and God suffer, God suffer our pain, so God may relent, change His heart. You know, the people's interest is whether just God relent, so they can avoid their punishment or not. That's it. But it reminds again. This is message for Israelites. This is message for Jonah. How arrogant Israel was and disobedient. Many people saying that this book, Book of Jonah, was written or revived in the fifth century BC, three hundred years after Jonah's time. Because the fifth century BC, Israel was returned from exile from Babylon after seventy years. So after Jonah's mission to Nineveh, they experienced Assyrian invasion and then Babylonian invasion. So they taken a whole nation, southern Judah and Israel went to as a POW to Babylon. So they just returned. So some scholars saying that maybe the book of Jonah just remind them what was wrong, what went wrong, what we should have done. 
because they are facing another empire rising power, the Greek Empire in the 5th century. So it is a message for Israel because they become so, so selfish again because their trauma from the invasion over and over. Because God sent prophets like Jonah to Israel and Judah over and over, but they did not listen. You know, the country, the Israel and Judah, it was just one nation before, was the point, what was the purpose of bringing them out of Egypt, the Exodus? What was the purpose of building this new nation? It's for justice and righteousness of God for entire world. Not just, you know, people of Israel just, just become great nation there. Bring true peace for all nations there. But they fail because Israel abused the Hesed love just for themselves. So the book of Jonah points out how critical the attitude of being chosen people. What about some Christians and churches today? Don't they abuse? Don't we abuse agape love for being arrogant and disobedient sometimes? Oh, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves God loves me. Anyhow. One more time, just, yeah, God, forgive me. You know I love you, right? Because people still want to keep doing their secret sins, habitual sins. Because they have something, this mysterious theology of God loves me anyhow. See verse 10. Verse 10, make it clear the sequence of salvation. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from the evil ways, he relented, did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. So here's the first step. God saw they turned away and they returned. What does that mean? It's a grace period. God just watching. Just keep watching. Patiently, God watched. It's a grace. God's grace. We call it prevenient grace. Prevenient grace. Grace comes before prevenient grace. God waits and see if we turn away from sin. Like father, like a good father, Patient father, loving father, wait and wait and wait with hesed love, steadfast love. And the second step is our response. Yes, we have a choice of return or just turn away, keep turning away. Our response. And the third, and then God responds upon our response. Either relenting, or prevail, execute his wrath. You know, John Wesley, he would add one more step here. 
sanctification, right? After justification, Methodists we emphasize in the sanctification. It's a continuing effort onto perfection by living in holiness under grace. Living under grace. It means differentiate life. Holy means holiness means differentiate life. Not following the pattern of the world. Because prevenient grace, love of God, it's like a rain. Pour out rain. Everywhere. Everybody can get this rain. Being soaked. But only those people get the cup and collect the raindrop and they can drink the rain water, right? That's a prevenient grace. But have you ever tried that? Drinking raindrops? It's not easy. It's not easy to collect the grace of God in our daily life. So we must strive and even fight until we make it to perfection. Which is our death. And depart from this body and flesh and blood and going into perfection. Eternal glory. We have to strive and fight every day to live under grace. Otherwise, we cannot differentiate ourselves with other people. That's why many people, they're excused. That's why I don't go to church. Because what's the difference between you and me? Right? You live exactly the same way I live. So what, why you go to church? A lot of people think that. We have to make a differentiate ourselves. And that is the message of Christ through us. If we don't have that message, differentiate message, then there's no change around us. So we cannot blame the world. We cannot blame the people out there. We have to look at ourselves. That's the message, message of Jonah. To change our community, to change our nation, to change our world, we have to look at ourselves and try to strive and fight to live under holiness, under grace. Let's remember relentless God. Relentless God can relent. It's paradoxical, isn't it? Relentless God, relentlessly pursuing us, loving us. This God can relent, return, change his heart, change his plan. God never stopped working and he would relent. If we relent, our Heavenly Father, all he wants, from us is return, return. Do you remember the prodigal son in Luke's gospel? The prodigal son? And you guys welcome to my new office. It's almost new because it's complete, you know, uh, restore, uh, restore the office now. 
So please come, because I have my favorite、uh, painting on the wall, the Rembrandt, the prodigal son. The father just want us to return. That's all. God want us to relent. That's all. Otherwise, the fight never ends. The cycle, the vicious cycle of war and competition, never ends. God want us to relent because God would relent. Sister, brothers in Christ, we are in Christ, so we are here. So we will be in heaven, which means we can only claim, we can only boast about this. We have been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ lives in us, lives in you, lives in me. The life we now live in the body, we live by faith in the Son of God, who loved us and gave Himself for us, friends. Sometimes we are loveless for our enemies, but we can love those who loveless, those who hate us, because it's Christ loved them. When we deny ourselves, because we know we are dead, we have been crucified with Christ. That's our confession. Then we're our old self dead. I know that our old self just keep denying it. And try to think that I'm still alive here, but that is our faith. So let us believe the buoyancy of the power of ascending in us, because Christ gave us that power of ascending buoyancy. You have it. We can against the gravity, because we have buoyancy. And there's more than that. We have a power of the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, like the song is wonder-working power. We don't know why. We don't know. We don't know how can we forgive our enemies, but it is the power of the blood. It's wonder-working power in us. So loveless people like us can love people those loveless. Again, that's the reason you just came. God so loved the world, even when we were yet sinners. Amen. Amen.